Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Insamo, here today to talk to you guys about your favorite team in the National Hockey League, your Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Today's episode, I will be going back to Sunday night and talking about the win against the Florida Panthers and then going to Tuesday night's win against the Boston Bruins. And uh, as we get towards the middle of this episode, I will be having a special guest on, Mitchell Weatherall, who's a friend of the show, will be calling in to talk all things Leafs. And then as we wrap up the episode, we're going to preview a bit of Winnipeg and what's to come tomorrow night. Before we end the episode, we will be discuss, uh, discussing a very controversial topic in William Nylander and his potential movement this summer. It's an action-packed episode. I can't wait to get started. And let's go right now. So, Sunday night, the Leafs are at home at Scotiabank Arena playing the Florida Panthers for the first time this season. The Panthers coming into this game were, you know, one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. They very well still are. But they were on a really good pace. They literally just acquired Claude Giroux just before coming to Toronto. Also guys like Ben Sherratt and Robert Hag. They really reassured up this uh, depth within this Florida organization, and they certainly look like a tough out in this year's playoffs. They are definitely a top three team in the National Hockey League this year. They're very fast, very offensive, very good on transition, and uh, you know they are extremely hard to play against. But the Toronto Maple Leafs really took it to them early on. The Maple Leafs won this game 5-2. Like I said, at Scotiabank Arena, you could really tell the Maple Leafs wanted this game more. Right off the initial puck drop, they got after it right away. They were humming. Uh, the Leafs opened up the scoring just 49 seconds into the game. Morgan Riley, assisted by Austin Matthews and TJ Brody. The arena erupted. Uh, it was a fantastic start for the Maple Leafs, but they kind of lost their footing after the first couple shifts. They were all over Florida on the first couple shifts. They were winning puck battles. They were first in the corners, uh, you know, holding, uh, you know, not making mistakes and really holding possession of the puck, which is something that they want to do more often than not because the system the Leafs play is very puck possession based. And they really played their game until the middle of the period. They kind of let Florida get back into it as Brandon Montour scored 10 minutes and 11 seconds into the first frame, assisted by Jonathan Huberto and Sam Bennett. Uh, Huberto and Bennett, we know those are very important guys for the Florida Panthers. Sam Bennett coming over from Calgary and Huberto, who's growing into a, a superstar around this league. Uh, you know, those guys are really fun to watch, and they are definitely going to be dangerous if the Leafs do match up with them in a potential playoff series. But if we go to the second period, just a minute and 27 seconds in, Ryan Lomberg, a guy that I mentioned in the pregame episode, gets one, his sixth of the year, assisted by Lou Storinen. Uh, but, you know, the Leafs after that really found their footing again. You could tell all night long they wanted this game just a little bit more than Florida. They knew their backs were against the wall after the loss previously to the Montreal Canadiens only a night before. And John Tavares strikes first 21st on the year on the power play, assisted by Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley. And then five minutes later, at the 11-12 minute mark, 
Uh, John Tavares gets his second power play goal of the night to give the Leafs a 3-2 lead, assisted by Morgan Riley and Mitch Marner. Ilya Mikheyev followed up, uh, you know, in the third period, about halfway through the frame, getting his 14th of the year, assisted by Marner and Justin Hall. And Matthews netting his 48th on the year in a cheeky shot from his own zone to get one into the empty goal. And the Leafs won this one 5-2. That was the final. Credit to Peter Morazic, who was an absolute stud in this one. 36 shots against, 2 goals against, 34 saves, and a 944 save percentage. Peter Morazic's a guy that's been through a lot of ups and downs throughout his career, especially uh, this year with the downs on that side. And uh, this game was a really good performance for him. You know, Morazic, as we know, now he just got injured if we skip to the Boston game. But this year in 20 games, 3.34 goals against average and an 8.88 save percentage. Those numbers are not very good. But against the top teams, he's actually a pretty good goaltender if you look at his analytics. So I guess, uh, you know, he's a guy that usually plays down to lower competition. And that's something that we have to take note of. But going against the top teams, Peter Morazic has shown up. Uh, Spencer Knight was in goal for the Florida Panthers. It's tough to, you know... A lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, yeah, give me Florida in the playoffs after this win. And as much as I believe in the Maple Leafs in this year's playoffs, um, you know, the Florida Panthers, you have to acknowledge they were without Aaron Ekblad, who is their franchise number one defenseman. They were out with their number one goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, as he played the night before. So he was sitting up to back-to-back. And they did not have back-to-back Stanley Cup winner Patrick Hornquist in the lineup. And he is a key contributor to that fourth line. Also, no Joe Thornton, Jumbo Joe, hockey legend. So this Florida Panthers team was a bit undermanned in this one, but that is no excuse as the Maple Leafs were clearly the team that wanted it more. And Florida did have Barkov and Huberto and all their top guns in the lineup, including Claude Giroux, and their power play couldn't get anything really going for a long part a long part of this game, and that's why they ended up with no power play goals. They have five forwards on that power play unit. That was something I mentioned in the preview. And the Maple Leafs penalty kill unit really showed up in this game. Justin Hall took back-to-back minor penalties, and they were able to kill off both of those in a very key point of the game. And, you know, if the Leafs play like this long-term, they are going to have success without a doubt. But before we get to the Boston game, I'm going to invite Mitch now on, who's on the line, Mitchell Weatherall, welcome to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. How are you feeling about the Leafs and their victory against the Florida Panthers first before we talk about the Bruins win? You know what, man? This was such an insane win. Coming off a 4-2 loss against uh, the bottom team, Montreal. Honestly, heading into the heading into Sunday, I wasn't really sure if they were going to come out on top because, I mean, like... Losing to Montreal and then coming coming against Florida against one of the top teams in the East, I just I just wasn't feeling it. But then they come out with a win, and I just thought it was an amazing uh, an amazing uh, achievement. Because Florida, they're top of the top of the Atlantic, could be a potential playoff matchup, and I think the Leafs absolutely stole that one. Coming off a back to back too, we had a Mrazek stop in 34, 36 uh, shots. Tavares with a couple goals, uh, Matthews goal and assists, Marner with three assists. So. I was really impressed, actually. I uh, I think it was a great game. It was it was competitive, and uh, it's I'm excited to see the two teams keep playing moving forward. It's obviously obviously with the addition of Giroud to Florida and everything they did at the deadline. Like the, these teams are two offensive powerhouses, and it's obviously going to be high scoring games. 
And I think it was just a great uh, bounce-back game for the Leafs after coming off uh, a terrible loss to Montreal. That's a winnable game with the team they have. But, again, like, I'll, uh, I take this win for them. It's uh, It just puts some, like, it just shows, like, they're, they're up to competing with the top team in their division. And they shouldn't be pushed away uh, like nothing. So that's what I think about it. Yeah, you know, I completely agree with what you just said there. This is a huge win for the Maple Leafs and their morale. This is a game that you can look back on and really rally on and show that you are a premier team in this league. One thing I do have question, though, is, you know, you played as a forward uh, as your time as a hockey player. Uh, something that I am uncomfortable with this Leafs team, and I've been on the record to mention this, is the secondary scoring. And, you know, to win a Stanley Cup, you need to have depth between your first line and your fourth line. Yes, you need to have defensive responsible forwards, but you need guys to contrib- contribute uh, in terms of scoring goals from every single piece of that offensive lineup and you know the fourth line I look at it I love Wayne Simmons he was one of my favorite hockey players growing up Jason Spezza sorry obviously a hockey legend and you know he's done a lot for this Maple Leafs team on a very very good contract so you can't complain about him but this fourth line has really not provided much offense for a long part throughout this year and you know when you have secondary scoring with this Maple Leafs team, there's no doubt that they probably have the best, if not one of uh, the best offensive offensive units in the National Hockey League. Uh, tell me, how do you feel about this fourth line? Because if you look at the analytics, they actually had an expected goals of zero in that game on Florida. Uh, their expected goals against was 0.2 in that area. But still, a zero expected goals for is definitely not good on the offensive contribution uh, list. So are you a little bit nervous with that kind of stuff? Because, you know, secondary scoring is, you know, extremely crucial when you get into a playoff series, especially with a team like the Florida Panthers who can score on every single line that they have, including their D pairs. Yeah, I would honestly be a little concerned about it because if you're going to make a deep playoff run, you definitely need that secondary scoring. You cannot rely on Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares for all these rounds because eventually, like, there's going to be games where they're just going to get shut down and, like, they're not going to be on it every game. So, uh, obviously getting, like, more out of Spezza and, like, any other depth they have would really help, and that's what's going to win them a cup in the playoff series is that secondary scoring. You need those bottom six guys to step up when it matters because we all know we all know what we're going to expect out of the superstars, but it's those key bottom six guys, in my opinion, that are uh, that are going to uh, need to explode for the playoffs when it matters, and that's what we look at, and... Uh, Definitely depth is so important for them. Obviously, they have uh, one of the best offensive units in the league. It's kind of a given. But uh, that depth is what I'd really look at and take a look at moving forward and see how it plays out. And like you said, with the defensive roles, I think every forward needs to play, be able to play both sides. Like, you can't have a, one, a one-sided a forward, like, just, just offense or defense only. You got to be productive both sides. That's what's going to help them make a deep playoff run too. So, like, like I said, like, depth is very important when you're going to make a long run. 
you need to have that scoring out of that uh, bottom six, and you also have to have uh, you got to have both all offensive players playing both defense and offense. You get they got to be two way. Everyone's got to play a two way, a two way game moving forward if they're gonna if they're gonna go far, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, you know, having players that are responsible in both ends of the ice is extremely beneficial. But you know, I'm a big believer in guys like David Camp. I don't think this Leafs team has had a guy like that. Uh, in a while you know I don't really think they've had that in a playoff series yet he brings so much good he's always on the right side of the puck and uh, one thing I was looking at with this fourth line in this game was Florida's really good on transitioning with the puck they're killer on the transition and they burn a lot of good teams uh, using this you know transition play, transition play style and it looked like the Leafs lineup actually did pretty good against it you know, that's expected. They're a very fast team. But it was the fourth line that kind of had trouble with it. You know, the Simmons-Spezza line, even Nylander to a certain extent. And I think that just goes to show you that if the Leafs do match up against the Florida Panthers, and a lot of people cry about how this Leafs team is not tough enough, how they're not big, how they're not, you know, get in your face and, you know, give a guy a face wash after the whistle and, you know, like a scrummy team like that. But if you're the Florida Panthers and you're playing the Leafs in the playoffs. What number one, I'm going to be scared of the Leafs because this is a team that knows they really have nothing to lose in the first round. Every single insider in this hockey world uh, has projected the Leafs to, you know, not be in that echelon with Florida and Tampa. But you know, if I'm Sheldon Keith and I'm looking at this game as an example, you have the back-to-back coming up between Florida and Tampa real soon. Uh, I think it's like next week. So, you know, there's uh, that's a game to look at as well. But right now, after this game, next time I play Florida, and if I play them in a playoff series, that fourth line, I'm completely revamping. And I'm looking at guys in the Marlies. Alex Steves, who we've seen this year. Nick Robertson. Guys that are speedy, that are fast, they're really good uh, in terms of handling transitions. And uh, I think you can really combat that with a fourth line like that. And I'm a huge fan of Simmons and Spezza. I really am. And you guys know that if you listen to this show, I always credit them for, you know, they're two widely respected veterans amongst the league. But if you are planning for the Florida Panthers, that fourth line, I don't think cuts it. And you have guys like Ilya Lubushkin who can lay the body, that can bring that physical presence. And I'm sick and tired of hearing stuff about the Maple Leafs and how everybody in this, the media world wants to talk about how this team needs to get tough. They need to go out and get a fighter. They need bring back Matt Martin and all that stuff. Commit to what you are. This team is a finesse hockey team. That's what they are. They need to stick to that if they want to win the Stanley Cup. Because when you stick to what you are, that's how you get your best results. It's when you get yourself in trouble is when you start looking at other teams and trying to copycat what they have that you're not. And we've seen that time and time again. And I think that's something the Leafs have to take note of. Commit to what you are. You're a finesse team. You're not a power team. You're a really good hockey team. And sky's the limit. If they get out of the first round, this Maple Leafs team is dangerous. Mark my words. But with that, Mitch, let's go to the Boston win now. The Maple Leafs won last night by a score of 6-4. to four. They now have a record of 42-19-5. They sit third in the Atlantic. The Boston Bruins, a team that really has turned it up since the new year, they now have a record of 41-20-5. They're fourth in the Atlantic. They're really fighting for positioning between uh, the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. They are really hot right now, and a lot of credit of that is due to David Pasternak, who just got his 38th goal in this game. He's absolutely on fire. 
and I must admit he is so fun to watch. But Colin Blackwell gets his first goal as a Leaf five minutes into the game. Uh, like I said, passed to, uh, you know, scored right away after that. So 1-1. But Morgan Riley then scored. Alex Kerfoot scored to lead 3-1 after the first frame. We go to the second period. Mitch Marner scores his 28th of the year. Austin Matthews gets his 49th. David Kanth gets his 9th goal of the year. The Leafs are currently up uh, on the scoreboard 6-1 to around this time. So 6-1 to going, uh, going into that final three minutes of the second period. Then Jake DeBrus scores his 16th of the year, 6-2 going into the third period. Lazar and Taylor Hall score at the end in the final 10 minutes to get the game kind of interesting. Definitely made Leafs Nation a little nervous with how games have gone in the past. Detroit comes to mind first. But, um, you know, this is a this was a game that the Leafs were out. They lost a lot of firepower. Uh, manpower, I should say. It's a better word, probably. They lost Peter Morazic literally right into the game as he went uh, with uh, a lower body injury. Then they lost Ilya uh, Labushkin after Taylor Hall and his sucker punch. And then they lost Justin Hall. So this team got banged up big time in this game. And despite the adversity with Shalgren getting thrown into the fire as he was not prepared to start and really relying on only about four defensemen, the team was able to win a very impressive hockey game. And, uh, you know, credit to them because this is this was a tough game. Like, the Boston Bruins are really, really good. And they were humming coming into this game. And to be without two of your defensemen and to get, you know, positive results, I'll take that any day of the year, especially in an 82-game stretch season. And, you know, Leafs versus Boston is always amped up. It was very physical. Like I mentioned, we have the Labushkin play where he rocked a Boston forward. Uh, Taylor Hall comes back and uh, sucker punches Labushkin. I think it was actually Taylor Hall that got, like, rocked. This play was a disaster. Um, Coyle's stick was in between Labushkin's legs, Mitch. I don't know if you saw that, too. But he was still in the penalty box. Like, that should have been a penalty, in my opinion. Like, you can't make an impact when you're in the penalty box still. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, like that was like, okay, come on. And, uh, you know, he only got a fine for that five grand Taylor Hall, but let's start with that. Did you think that was suspension worthy? Definitely. Uh, I like the league loves to throw their five grand fines out like nothing. So, uh, I definitely, yeah, I definitely for sure think that I know the hit, the, the hall hit on when he got hit from behind was pretty bad too. But again, you gotta look at this, and like it's always physical Toronto versus Boston. So again, like I feel like the league always like lets a let, lets a lot go with them. Like they're gonna sort of treat it like a playoff series. Like I know, like they like they're like Toronto's never had their own own way like within the league against Boston. Like you look at all the cadre stuff and all that, and I definitely think that was suspension worthy for sure. Maybe like a game or two. Not, I wouldn't go over that, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's an interesting call, it's an interesting take, and I think it was definitely something that was missed. Yeah, that was a greasy play. I didn't like that at all from Taylor Hall. But you know, the Leafs, they battled in this one. They did. This is a big win in my opinion. This is something also to look back on down the stretch here. They played without their two defensemen and their starting goaltender in this one, and they were able to get the win. So credit to the Leafs in this one. 
Uh, tell me, what was your thoughts on the game? I know a lot of people have talked about Boston being kind of the Leafs, like, I guess, kryptonite in the playoffs. I mean, rightly so, because the Leafs have not had good numbers against them. But this is a different kind of Bruins team. You know, they're a little older now. They're not as physical as they used to be. Um, actually, Bruce Cassidy has actually gone on the record in uh, interviews saying that this team, basically calling them soft and stuff like that, and they need to get tougher. This is a team that I'm not really scared of, to be honest. And the one team that I don't want to play in the playoffs is the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think if you ask for seven games with Andre Vasilevsky alone, you're in for some trouble. So tell me, what was your thoughts on this game? Because I thought the Leafs played fantastic. And despite, you know, Boston getting into it late, I think, you know, that's, you got to give them some leeway because of how many guys they were down. And, uh, you know, Boston was not going to give up on this game, and especially because the refs were against the Leafs, in my opinion, in this one. Yeah, I think it's another big win to look back at, like the Florida game. Like another, like Boston, obviously, they started off really slow, but now they picked it up and they're right there with Toronto and right there within the Atlantic division in the top three. So, again, I think it was another big win to look at. Again, Boston, they're a very different team than they were when the Leafs last played them in the playoffs. <clears throat> so, I like. I think it was a big game to reflect on. Like it was a physical one, and that's like the, that's the type of playoff hockey the Leafs are gonna get. They gotta come prepared for that. Uh, like with regards to like, I would like I I agree with you. I like I'm not like I'm not that scared of them. Like I don't see them as a massive threat to the Leafs. But again, like they've had the bad history of Boston in the playoffs and stuff. But I definitely think like the Bruins are def like they're a different team from when they were when the Leafs played them last, what two thousand eighteen, whatever that uh playoff series. Again, like if the Leafs can lock, like lock up a playoff series against them, that would be big. But again, I don't see them as like a big threat to them anymore. Like with the offensive power the Leafs had, because you got to remember Boston's like ha like they have Ross retiring. I just think like their core's getting a little older. I know they got they got guys like DeBras, Pasternak, like, but you got to think like Bergeron's getting older, Marchand's getting up there too. So I mean, it's just like it's a team that I don't like compared to Tampa and Florida. I don't fear like Boston as much compared to those two teams. So this win, I would say, is definitely a big one to look at back at, especially with all the uh, especially with Boston like being hot too after the slow start they've had as well. And uh, the, the the long history the Leafs have had against them, so this is this is like this is a big win for Toronto. Uh, like after watching it, I was like, wow! Like coming off against Florida, now coming off against Boston, I really like what I see. They're taking out top teams, which I like. They still got to get those easy points so against the Montreal and the Buffalo. Like they can't be dropping those and heading in, but. Taking out those top teams that are potential playoff matchups, I'm really liking what I see, and especially injured, like injured too. They're losing Hall, Mrazek, so now they're potentially might not have Mrazek for uh, the Winnipeg game. So again, it's 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 a big win for them, and obviously they took a toll with injuries, but the ability that they were able to come out on top. Uh, against Boston, who's a physical team, with losing Hall and all these guys, is, is is impressive. So I was really, I was really, really happy with yesterday's game. I was probably more happy probably last night than uh, the Florida night, just because of all the adversity they had to go through last night compared to Florida. Yeah, you know, you're right, and uh, everything you said there, I, I agree. 
this is, you know, a different Bruins team. It just is. And I don't know a lot of people are going to be nervous playing them. And I can see why, you know, going against Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak and, uh, you know, everybody they got there in the black and yellow. But, you know, I'll take my chances with Boston. I'm I'm afraid of Tampa. I honest, I'm honestly I am like they are so good. They are so deep in the add of Hagel too and Nick Paul. Like this team is going to be tough to play in a best of seven. But with that, let's go to the game tomorrow night. The Maple Leafs are hosting the Winnipeg Jets, and this is certainly going to be one heck of a show. Mitch, before I give us the in-depth preview, how excited are you for this one? Because we all know there's going to be some fireworks. Leafs versus Jets. Literally my favorite thing. It's, it's, it, I love watching these two teams play. Uh, so, yeah, we got a Calgren and Conry starting, so it should be an interesting one. I hope the Leafs can get Morazic back. That sure would help. So they were coming off a 6-3 loss to the Jets last time. Uh, I mean... This is another game I'm looking forward to. Another big game, another tough game on the schedule. Like I know Winnipeg's not doing the greatest this year. Like they're in a tough division and all that, but it's still a team. Like the, Winnipeg's got grit, which I like about them, and uh, it's going to be another tough physical game for Toronto. I like it's going to be kind of the same outcome against Boston. Like they're going to bring it to them, and uh, it's going to be a tough game, and we'll we'll see how it goes from there. But I'm looking forward to it. It should be a it should be a good one. Uh, if I had to predict, this would be a tough one. I'm going to go probably 3-2 Toronto. I think they'll pull out on top of this. They've been uh, rolling hot against the past uh, couple, of, couple of good teams. But again, like I know Winnipeg's a bottom team this year. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They could easily drop this too with, uh, if they don't get healthy either. So I think, I really hope uh, Keith, like he finds a way to win with uh, what he has, because I know he uh, is coming off a lot of injuries after the Boston game, so if he can figure out a game plan to win with what he has and uh, make the adjustments, then that, uh, it'll be a good game. So I'm, look- I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, and I like how you mentioned uh, the missing players from, you know, tomorrow night's game expected. Because uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Winnipeg Jets are on a back-to-back tonight. They're in Buffalo taking on the very hot Buffalo Sabres. And uh, they also have a little bit of COVID going around. Arguably their MVP this season, Kyle Connor, was announced to be on the COVID-19 list. And Nate Schmidt as well. We all know Nate Schmidt, left-handed D, really fast. Um, You know, this is a Winnipeg Jets team that are pretty deep. And they are you know definitely not a team that's going to take it lightly like you said but this is a team that i think the leafs should be able to handle because you know they're kind of that team that plays into the least favor they aren't really transition based uh they like to capitalize on their opportunities but they're not a team that really relies on you know, how do I phrase it? Like trading offensive opportunities. Like the Leafs like to play a puck possession based game. They should be able to do that well with the Winnipeg Jets because their fastest player now is out of the game tomorrow. And Nate Schmidt, who's been, you know, probably one of the best defensemen in the league, um, aren't going to be in the lineup. 
We know there is going to be probably some fireworks with the Pionk Lilligren situation. That's probably expected. You know, it has been a really long time since. So who really knows how much that is going to be a factor. I expect to see at least Clifford or Wayne train in the lineup tomorrow. But whoever's in the lineup tomorrow needs to make an impact. The Winnipeg Jets aren't the fastest team. They don't have, you know, the scoring depth throughout the lineup that scares you. They're more top-heavy, top-six reliant. Blake Wheeler has had a way better second half coming off his injury. Mark Shifley isn't having quite the year he's had in past seasons, but Connor Hellebuck is starting tonight in, uh, sorry, in Buffalo, yeah. And uh, Eric Comrie is expected to get the start tomorrow night at Scotiabank Arena. So no matter who's in net for the Maple Leafs, and no matter how many guys you're missing, it kind of levels out the playing field. And this is a game that the Maple Leafs should win. I like how you gave them a 3-2 score. I'm going to go 4-2. I think it's a little bit of a tough game. I think Winnipeg starts off pretty good. That's what they do. Winnipeg does have really good starts. It's Winnipeg how they finish out games and going into the third periods. And the back half of games is when they start to drop off. So, you know, this isn't a Jets team that has Patrick Laine anymore. Pierre-Luc Dubois, who can play on the wing and center, is a very good hockey player. Uh, you know, he's re- they have some good players down the middle. Uh, Appleton has returned to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, we saw the trade during the trade deadline. But they also shipped out Andrew Kopp. So, Kopp was a huge player for this Jets team. And now he will not be here in the lineup tomorrow night. This is our first look at this Jets team uh, coming off, I guess, a seller perspective at the deadline. Or just, you know, a mediocre uh, look. Because they did not improve and they shipped off minor pieces. But brought back Appleton. So Harkins is a guy that, you know, he could score once in a while. Savechnikov too. This team's pretty good. And, you know, I'm surprised that they're as bad as they are this year. But, you know, this Winnipeg Jets team we've seen in games and games out, they could turn it on really quickly. Uh, tell me, how confident are you? Because ja- uh, Jack Campbell, sorry, I was about to say Peter Morazic. We know Peter Morazic will not be in this game. Uh, Shawgren's probably going to be on the backup. Hutchinson is recalled right now. Tell me, if Jack Campbell is able to play tomorrow night or back up Shawgren, uh going against Eric Comrie, how do you feel about that goaltending matchup? I mean, like, again, so Winnipeg's coming off a back-to-back, so they, they might be a little tired. But again, like you said, like, the, the playing field is totally even because they, they won't have Connor or Schmidt, and the Leafs potentially might not have, a, like, a, there's a backup or a starting goalie and uh, potentially Hall. So, I mean, like... I don't know, it'd be an interesting, like, way to see how it goes. Like, I like, I agree with what you said. Like, I think Winnipeg will come out strong, but I think the Leafs should pull this off. Like, but, like, they got every advantage. Like, they got Kyle Connor, the best, like, one of their best forwards out, who's probably their fastest. And now they got, uh, and, like, the playing field's pretty much even. So, I mean, with regards to the goaltending matchup, like, I hope Mrazic can play. I like. I don't know the status yet on Campbell, but like, if if Mrazic can play, that like that'd be awesome because the game he had against Florida was outstanding. So I mean, like, Winnipeg's gonna be a little tired from coming off a of back to back, but again, like, it'll be it'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah. So here are the numbers for the two goaltenders tomorrow night. Comrie's expected with Hellebuck playing tonight. Just to remind you guys. So Comrie is 8-2-1. He's got a 2.39 goals against average and a 9.20 save percentage. Uh, a guy that came in as the league, came into the league this year, not really known. Uh, a lot of people had question marks about his ability to be the number one backup behind Connor Hellebuck. Obviously at age 26, he's having quite a nice season. 
as the number two for the Winnipeg Jets. He's only appeared in 12 games, though. So that's something to consider. Uh, he's only came in once in relief for Hellebuck. But, you know, he's a pretty good goaltender. He's definitely an underrated goaltender. I must admit, I've seen him play a couple times this year. Uh, he's pretty good positionally. He's not one to go crazy. Uh, he is, you know, a fair routine backup that does give you some good results. So he's definitely not going to be just a throw into the net and an easy night for the Leafs. This is going to be a battle. It's going to be a fun one. I love when the Canadian teams play each other. I know a lot of people don't like that because of last year. They're kind of sick of it. But Jets versus Leafs is always so much fun, and I can't wait for Winnipeg to come to Scotiabank Arena tomorrow night. Uh, with the numbers now, the Leafs are a way better offensive team. In goals, they're third. The Winnipeg Jets are 15. Shots on goal, the Jets are 12th. The Leafs are 6th. Power play percentage, uh, the Jets are 14th. The Maple Leafs are number 1. So in face-off percentages as well, uh, Winnipeg is just outside the top 10, but the Leafs are first. So the offensive numbers far lean in the Leafs' favor. Uh, but on the defensive side of things, this team is actually very, very even on goals allowed per game. They're actually tied at 17th in the league. Uh, the Leafs give up a lot less shots on goal, though. They have a way better penalty kill percentage. The Leafs are fourth in the league now. The Jets are 26th percent. And the Leafs take a lot less penalties than the Winnipeg Jets. They're actually third in that quarry now, or the Ma uh, category are the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs are also 24-7-2 at home. And the Winnipeg Jets are 13-12-8 on the road. So their home record is far better than the Jets' away record, which is expected. But both teams are coming off two-game winning streaks. Um, the Jets are a bit taller uh, a bit heavier, and but they are a bit younger in age. This Leafs team is the clear-cut favorite. We've talked about that in this last couple minutes here. I'm excited, man. I can't wait for this one. Uh, two Canadian teams. It's going to be a battle. There is, I'm sure, at least going to be one instance where we see some fireworks after what happened last fall, last winter. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, now as we're heading towards spring, it's kind of quite the gap, but... I still think there's going to be some turmoil, and there's definitely going to be some retaliation, I feel like. I don't know. I just got that feeling. So, go Leafs, go on this one. But before we wrap up the show now, let's talk about the last thing, and that is William Nylander. And Willie Nylander is a fantastic hockey player. In my opinion, he might even be the toughest player to trade from this Maple Leafs top four core. And that is because how many times have we seen Willie Nylander mock trades from a couple years ago when his contract was up in, up in the air? And how bad do they look now? Like, I remember, like, Nick Ritchie was the guy that Don Cherry wanted for him. Like, that's how bad it was. And the reason I think Nylander is probably the toughest one to trade is because if you trade Nylander now, you're going to get something back for sure that's good, that's usable, Probably a top four right-handed defenseman. Something that the Leafs team needs. Because you're not getting Nylander's full effect on a nightly basis. We're just not. We're years into his contract now. And we're seeing these points in, se in the season where he goes absolutely on a tear. And then he goes off. And he's still getting points though. I must admit he's still getting points. And I'm not criticizing him for his offensive input. Because I think he's underrated in that category. Obviously not at the pace he was at the start of the season. But it's his defensive work ethic. Uh, he just looks like he's slow in the back check, really is uh, 
been caught on the wrong side of the puck more often times than not in these last couple of months. And it hurts because I'm a huge Willie Nylander fan. And as much as I appreciate Willie, I just have this feeling we're getting to the end of his days as a Leaf. I just don't know what you do in a Nylander trade because right now, how do you trade Nylander and get better? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, you can ask for a top four D, get a nice young cheap forward with potential and some terms that you can control. Like, you can do that stuff. But the hard part is looking at the players. Like, who do you go out and trade Nylander for? Like, that makes your team better in the now. That's what I think is tough about this. And Chris Johnson said literally like yesterday that the Leafs, he expects them to move a top four, like one of the top four from the core this year, this offseason. And I think he's hinting at Nylander. We know management's frustrated. We've seen Sheldon Keefe's comments. I think his time in Toronto slowly coming to an end and it hurts. But Mitch, tell me, what's your thoughts on this uh, as we talk some William Nylander and a potential trade here? Well, you know what? He, he He's such a jumpy player because he can either go on really good streaks or he can go on really bad streaks, and you just don't know with him, like, uh, what's going on. So, I mean, like, he's definitely the – like, out of the four, he's definitely the most movable. He's definitely the easiest to move based off his contract and the length and salary and all that. But, like, what I saw out of him in the playoffs last year against Montreal was, was, was outstanding because that really showed me, like, okay, like, he's living up to the hype now and he's living up to what he's worth. But now I'm looking at him, like, he's getting lazier. He's not, like, doing his job in the defensive zone. Like, he, he's not performing that, like, two-way forward, like I mentioned earlier, like, that all Leafs players got to do moving forward. So... Like, I think it needs to be, like, he needs to, It's it's got to be considered. I think a trade will be considered, and it is slow. His time is slowly running out if this team cannot find any success in the playoffs. If they get out of the first round and go far, then that's a little different. But if they're knocked out again in the first round, I think they'll, I think he's going to get the boot out because he, I, I just, I think something's really got to change. And I think he's going to be the odd man out. Return-wise, I'd like to see them get a right-handed defenseman. I've always been mentioning that's their uh, biggest black piece. I don't have an exact uh, guy in mind who I think they can get at the moment or even in the offseason if, uh, if they decide to trade him. But that's definitely be a big step forward defensively is to get a get a right-handed defenseman which they need uh they can also easily uh fetch a couple draft picks for him which would help too uh and that uh that depth forward like like you said that that they can control a term and that can break out because again like i think score depth scoring is another issue for this team too like they're i think they're relying obviously they got a powerhouse offense but they're relying way too much i think on their uh their top four so uh it definitely, like, you can see his time is slowly going away if this team isn't going to be successful in the playoffs. Right now, I keep playing with him. I just see how it goes. Like, you got, like, the season's almost over. Just see how it plays out. See how he does in the playoffs. Like, I wouldn't bank anything right now. Obviously, it's frustrating, but... Again, like he he's he's like he's an inconsistent player. Like he he can either go really good, like playoffs, like he was last year, or he can go really bad. But like last year, he came up really clutch in the playoffs for them. Like so, I mean, like 
honestly, I gotta, like, right now, it looks like his time is running out in Toronto. But I gotta, like, for me, I gotta see a bit more out of him first. Like, if he's able to turn this around, because you got the playoffs coming up, you got more important games. If he clutches up, if they move out of the first round, then I think he stays. But if he keeps going like this for the, like, till the playoffs, I'd be really concerned. If he has a bad postseason, the Leafs have a bad postseason, and I think he's out, unfortunately. Something's got to happen. So, at the moment, obviously, he's, like, everyone wants him out. Yes, I agree. At, like, if he's not going to play a defensive game, if he's going to be lazy, then that's not what he's there for. So, but at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be a bit patient with him. I'm going to wait to see how the end of the season plays out. And I got to see how the playoffs plays out because, he, like, he's got an important stretch to, like, show up for. And it's going to be make or break. So the whole Nylander talk, like, I think it's just going to be a, it's a make or break deal. Does he does he come on for the rest of the season when it matters? Does he come on for the playoffs? Do the Leafs get out of the first round? Then I think he stays. Does he play like he is right now to the remaining of the season? Uh, and then until playoffs, and I'd be concerned. And uh, and the Leafs don't make it on the first round, then I think that will be it. Like he's he's the guy out out of the four. Honestly, I like I don't. I'd hate to see him go. But again, like like the, even with like all the negotiation problems they had, like at the time trying to find him a deal and all these like mock trades, like I just like I like you never really saw one go through. But again, like. This this might be the year that it's it's considered that it goes through, depending on the team's success and his success for uh for the remainder of the year. Like if we were like if we were in February, January still, and he was struggling, then I'd honestly be uh like really like I'd I'd wait it out for sure because I know like there's time like there's time for him to turn around. But now we're we're end of March, April. He's got an important stretch. He's got minimal time in the regular season left. So now I'm going to say it's it's a fully make or break for this guy. Like, he's got to come up clutch now when it matters. He's got to secure this team a playoff spot, a good spot within the division, lock up home ice, like help him lock up home ice advantage. And I know the rump, like all the trade rumblings are going to be around. The fans don't like him. It's a big market. Like, that's obviously going to affect probably him a bit. But. Again, like, now it's make or break for him. So, it's, like, you want to be a Toronto Maple Leaf? Okay, come up clutch for uh, the remainder of the season in the playoffs. Help this team get out of the first round as they've been exited out the past five years. And uh, show, show, like, show, show us the postseason you had against Montreal. So, like, that's going to be make or break. And I think he knows what's at stake now. They All the Leafs know what, what's at stake after last year, so... Like, I mean, he's got 60 points in 66 games. It's not bad. I know he's gone on some tough stretches, but still, like, I like, I think, like, now it's 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 going to be a make or break. So that's what I think about it. Yeah, you know, Willie Nylander, like I said, I'm a huge fan of his. He's actually, like, if you look at the analytics, he's actually third in uh, the Leafs' takeaways categories uh, this year. Only Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are ahead of him. He doesn't give the puck away as much as we used to see when he was younger, only 28 giveaways this year. That's actually less than Marner and Matthews by a pretty fair margin. Um, you know, he only has five defensive zone giveaways. So it's just, you know, really elite numbers there. 
But it's just tough because it just I don't know what it is. I think and this might, you know, cause some, you know, controversy and people might not like this, but I think Nylander's a top ten skill player in the National Hockey League. I'm talking about pure skill, like raw ability when the puck's on his stick. I think he's a top ten young, talented player. I do. The problem is Nylander's not a top twenty player in the National Hockey League. Like, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, he's a top ten skill player, but he's not a top player in the National Hockey League. He might be top 30, <clears throat> sorry, he might be top 30, top 40, potentially top 50, but if he finds a way to put in the work ethic and the effort with his raw talent and ability, this guy can become a superstar, and he's already a star right now, but this is why I think trading Nylander is the hardest guy to trade for out of this core four. Obviously, Matthews is the best one. He's the greatest Leaf of all time, in my opinion. He's on pace to be that guy in this franchise without a doubt in my mind what he's doing is insane but if you trade Matthews you know your return is going to be hefty you're talking maybe four first round picks and this is a ludicrous to even bring up a potential Matthews trade I'm just saying you know that if you ever traded Matthews what you're getting back is going to be insane same with Marner we're talking about first round picks we're talking about potentially consecutive first round picks but with Nylander we don't know like, yes, obviously a first-round pick is going to be in that trade. But if you're a team that's looking to acquire William Nylander, you know you know that the Leafs are shopping him because of some controversy he's caused with his work ethic and his effort. And Kyle Dubas even said in the Amazon series, which is something that's always came back to my mind, was he said, you know, this guy will frustrate the living hell out of you. And I'm just like, I don't remember the exact quote, so don't take this like word for word. I'm like paraphrasing it, but... He said, this guy will do stuff that you will never believe, which I agree. That sums up Nylander to a perfect example. He will do some amazing stuff when the puck's on his stick, but then he'll do stuff that's, you know, a head scratcher. And we saw that in Montreal when he gave the puck away and they scored. But, you know, he's so underrated. He's overhated so much in this Leafs fan base. I'm a huge Nylander guy. Like his, like I said, his peripherals are amazing in that in that category. Um, his assists, he has 36 assists on the year. 26 of those are actual primary assists. So this isn't a guy that just gets points off, you know, passing it to uh, this guy and then, you know, getting lucky by getting the secondary apple. This is a guy that puts in the work in the offensive zone when he's on his game. The problem is we don't know what Nylander you're getting usually. And that's tough. And like you said, the playoffs always come to mind. That's what happens. He goes on a streak like last year's playoffs. He really showed up. And that's what I mean. If you trade Nylander, it's so hard because if you ask for a return, what are you going to get back? Like we talked about the guys, you're targeting a top right-handed defenseman. But if you want to look at teams that come to mind first when I think about a Nylander trade, I think you're going to look at a team like Anaheim who wants some, you know, some scoring down there. I think potentially the Islanders might have interest in a guy like Nylander. Obviously his defensive work ethic and all that stuff. But remember, Lou did draft him. So... I know there's some relationship there, maybe uh, potentially a team like Arizona. I don't know, but a team that like comes to mind, uh, you're going to be familiar with this, a team that I just think right away, if I was looking at an ideal trade, now this is just me on the spot here, guys. This is just me on the spot. Nylander to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now I know this might be wild and I'm not saying there's anything relationship here. I'm not saying that this is where I'd want him to go or this is, I'm just saying, Completely that came to my head is the Willie Nylander to Pittsburgh Penguins. And that is because 
I think John Marino fits the category of top right-handed defenseman, young, mobile, plays that system the Leafs want to play, clear upgrade on the right side for the Maple Leafs. He's also affordable. He's under contract. Thinks at a four million cap hit, four point six something around there. So it is certainly less than Nylander's making. Gives them some cap benefit, and I think the Penguins could also attach a younger player like a Samuel Poulin or a Nathan Lagarde or uh, you know something that Kyle Dubas wants in there as a sweetener. Obviously some pick help, but I think the Penguins are also going to receive interest on this as well because you know the Penguins have a lot of guys coming up going into free agency this year. Brian Rust, Ricard Raquel, Agenny Malkin, Chris Letang. And if you keep Malkin and Letang and Brian Rust uh, can't be retained because of some salary stuff and they let Kapanen go because we know he's having a disaster year in Pittsburgh right now, uh, I think this is a guy that they might look at. You know, on He's on a contract for 6.9. He's under term still. And uh, that's a team that's trying to win in this window. And we know the work ethic Sidney Crosby brings on a daily basis and all the guys they have there in Pittsburgh, I'm sure they can squeeze every single amount of talent out of William Elander. Also a little hint here. I got this idea because I remembered his brother also got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins early on in this year. And he's doing really well with the AHL team. So you never know. Maybe that's an ideal trade target. Obviously a Western team for sure. Potentially the Vancouver Canucks. We know Jim Rutherford likes to make a splash and uh, Patrick Alvine. I'm sure they're going to remain interested. Uh, tell me, though, how do you feel as we wrap up this episode? Just a little hint at a potential landing spot where Nylander could go. And I also think Columbus is a fair honorable mention as well. I just think the Penguins are a sneaky under-the-radar fit. And I know the cap space is a problem. But if they're letting go of Rust, who's expected to get a payday in the offseason, Ricard Raquel and Casperi uh, Kapanen, they're going to have money. And John Marino seems like a guy that they would love to have here in Toronto, given Kyle Dubas's uh, ideal player types yeah it's so like i think it's so hard to dictate a landing spot at the moment for him but yeah I, like there's definitely another uh like another like sneaky teams that can make a run like obviously the canucks you never know what rutherford can do he's always willing to make a splash and yeah the penguins like that marino deal that sounds interesting they're definitely a sneaky picker for sure but yeah it's it's definitely a tough uh it's a tough thing to say i don't really have like a top team like, he can go anywhere. Any team seeking scoring depth uh, is ideal. I think, like, the return for him is so hard to say because, like, if, if you're going to throw Marner, let's say, for example, on the uh, on the block, then you know for a fact, okay, yeah, three or four first-round picks. But Nylander is a tricky one, in my opinion, because we don't, like, we, we don't know enough, like, about him value-wise. So I think, like... What I, like, I think they can easily fetch a first, second, definitely a top prospect, a right-handed defenseman they need for sure, or even, uh, like, a depth forward. So, it's it's something, yeah, if you get shopped around, they'll go to a team that's seeking top six scoring depth for sure. Uh, like, again, but it's still, it's still a make-or-break situation for me, like, because if he keeps going, like, if he turns it on again and starts playing well when it matters and I, I wouldn't let him go but like again like hit like hit, if he's getting lazy and it's the numbers aren't there then it's something they need to explore so and I definitely agree with what you said earlier about like he's a top 10 skill player in the league because he's done some stuff that's like wowed me too so but again that's 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 a lot of 
that's that's one thing that I don't see a lot of hockey fans putting him there. Like he's, I'd put him maybe in my like top twenty, thirty, maybe maybe top twenty. But again, like yeah, he's the skill for him is there. He's just got to show it. So, like it's he's a player. We just we just don't know what to expect out of him because he's he's just so streaky. Like he's he's a make or break guy. So that's what I that's what I think about him. With regards, like a landing spot, like yeah, it's 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 tough to say at the moment, but yeah, it's just I gotta I I gotta before I before I say a landing spot, I, I just gotta see how the rest of the season plays out with him first. So that's that's what I believe about him. All right, yes, just a last minute team here that came to mind. Obviously, the Rangers are a team that's always in trade gossip. So maybe the Rangers, Schneider potentially coming the other way. Keandre Miller or something. They have a lot of young prospects I'm sure Dubas would like to get his hands on because we know how good of a GM Kyle Dubas is in recognizing young talent. But Mitch, thank you for coming on today's show. We're almost at the hour mark. I think we should leave it off there. Uh, You know, we are definitely going to have you on again. You are great today. Thank you for coming on, Mitch. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Make sure you watch the game tomorrow. Thank you, guys. For listening to today's Battleborn Leafs podcast episode. Uh, if you want to follow the socials, you can follow me at J and Salm 8. That's J A N S 8 L M O. And the Battleborn Fan Talk Twitter as well at Battle B R N F Talk. You can find all our links to our platforms and you know other social medias for more and more coverage of your favorite team. Not only in the National Hockey League, but Toronto sports in general. That's all from us today, folks. Go Leafs, go. It is going to be an amazing game tomorrow night. I cannot wait for Scotiabank Arena. I will be there. Let's hope it's loud. That's all from me. Thank you, guys, and have a good night.